Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. It's Monday, March 14th. This is The Gateway. I'm Jonathan All, in for Wayne Pratt. Coming up, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is having an effect on the cost of fertilizer in the U.S. It's doubled in price than last year, so... Sanctions against Russia are coming at a bad time for farmers. We're trying to plan this year's growing season. Prisons in Missouri will resume normal visitation rules beginning April 1st. Visitors will no longer have to wear masks or pass a health screening test prior to entry, and prisoners will be allowed more than two visitors at a time. The Missouri Department of Corrections put restrictions in place two years ago to protect inmates and visitors from the coronavirus. Tony Jordan is a program coordinator for the Criminal Justice Ministry. She says lifting the restrictions is important because many inmates do their time off the strength of their family visits. Family means the world to a lot of people. And I know during a time of being locked up, people need that support. Jordan hopes the restored visitation policies will allow prisoners to reconnect with their families. Former Missouri lawmaker and St. Louis County official Cora Faith Walker died Friday at 37. Some say they'll remember Walker for her relentless work for black women's health. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. Pamela Merritt says Missouri lost a champion for black women and girls' health care rights when Cora Faith Walker died. Merritt is the executive director for the nonprofit Medical Students for Choice. She says the first time they met, Walker asked her how she could help improve infant and maternal mortality rates in the black community as a state representative. Cora Faith gave us a challenge to trust black women and believe black women. Walker's tenure in Missouri's legislature was marked by a focus on mental health issues and expanding access to health care. Mary says Walker's fight for women's health care rights and against racism and misogyny will be missed in the community. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. The Illinois Environmental Protection Agency is asking the state attorney general to force an energy company to clean up a Metro East oil spill. An estimated 165,000 gallons of crude oil leaked from a pipeline northwest of Edwardsville on Friday. Some of it got into Cahokia Creek. The spill was contained Friday, according to the state EPA. The agency is calling for Ohio-based Marathon Pipeline, which operates the line, to clean up all affected waterways and assess the contamination of nearby soil and groundwater, among other actions. Illinois business groups are calling for the state to pour more funding into early childhood education and child care programs. Sarah Hartwig of the Illinois Manufacturers Association says two of every three young kids in Illinois have parents who both hold down jobs. In her view, that makes affordable child care a business necessity. These services support workers' productivity by limiting absences and giving parents the peace of mind that they need to be fully engaged at work. And that, in turn, leads to greater business success. The business groups want to see a 10% increase in state funding for pre-kindergarten and early childhood services, like coaching for expectant parents and more support for kids with developmental delays. If the state acts on their recommendations, the changes would be part of the next state budget. The economic effects of Russia's invasion of Ukraine are being felt all over the world, including in Midwestern farm fields. Sanctions against Russia have led to skyrocketing prices 
for several different kinds of fertilizers critical to growing crops, and the timing couldn't be worse for farmers. Mark Scott is getting ready to park his truck after driving from his 2,000-acre farm in Wentzville into St. Louis to drop off 1,000 bushels of corn and 900 bushels of soybeans at a grain elevator. This is a tough off-season for farmers like Scott. The Russian invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent sanctions are hitting Scott and other farmers in a new way. Fertilizer is very expensive. It's doubled in price than last year, so uh, I locked up all my nitrogen this morning before it took another jump, and it's uh, it's probably 38 to 40 percent higher than last year. So Russia is a big exporter of fertilizer and its raw materials. The country's exports account for 18 percent of the world potash market, 20 percent of ammonia sales, and 15 percent of urea. Plus, a lot of the natural gas, the most expensive part of making nitrogen fertilizers, comes from Russia. And while the U.S. doesn't buy much fertilizer directly from Russia, other countries that do are now shopping among America's suppliers. And Scott says the prices are the highest he has ever seen in his 31 years of farming. We may be at a, uh, a loss this year versus last year just due to the high input prices. Even before sanctions, fertilizer prices were already high because of supply chain problems and natural disasters shutting down some big plants. Prices were so high that the Family Farm Action Alliance asked the Department of Justice to investigate, and the Iowa Attorney General announced his own inquiry. Then the war started, and it created an unprecedented situation. I mean, we always see shifts in prices for lots and lots of reasons, but this has been incredibly dramatic in a very short period of time. That's Pat Westoff, an agricultural economics professor at the University of Missouri. He says the situation is bad. Just how bad depends on each individual farmer's timing. That's because farmers typically sign contracts to buy so-called inputs like fertilizer and seeds for the price they are now. They also do the same with crops they grow, agreeing to a sale price before seeds are even in the ground. Westhoff says that increases the risk. If you forward contracted your grain a while ago at much lower prices than we have now, but didn't arrange for your fertilizer supplies, uh, you could be in very deep trouble right now. Westhoff says the good news, if there is any, is that wheat, corn, and soybean prices are also way up because of sanctions against Russia and the uncertainty of Ukraine's production and its inability to export. Randy Trainer is with BKD, a Springfield, Missouri-based accounting firm that works with farmers. He says with both grain and fertilizer prices going up, it may seem as if they'll just offset each other, but he says that could change. So right now they're working together they don't always work together. And that's the risk that comes this spring and this summer. Trainer says a deep drop in grain prices with fertilizer costs skyrocketing could be disastrous. Farmers like Mark Scott say even if he gets better prices for corn and soybeans, it may not cover soaring fertilizer costs. Basically, all the farmers are going to do is pass that money through. We're not going to keep any of it because our inputs have increased probably at a higher percentage than the actual grain prices. Farmers say you have to be an optimist in this business, and every season they have to make decisions with limited information. This year is no different, even if the cause is a war in Europe. This story was produced in partnership with Harvest Public Media, a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest, including St. Louis Public Radio. It reports on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. Follow Harvest on Twitter at Harvest PM. It's 314 day, and in the spirit of the holiday, 
St. Louis Public Radio is taking this occasion to embark on a project to make the region accessible for new arrivals to navigate and understand. We'll publish articles and guides that aim to make settling in here easier. St. Louis Transplants, we need your help, and so does the next generation of people moving here. Inform our work by telling us what kind of information would have been helpful when you first arrived to the region. You can check it out at stlpr.org welcome. The editors at St. Louis Public Radio are David Cazares, Fred Ehrlich, and Brian Heffernan. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Jonathan All, in for Wayne Pratt. Rachel Littman will be in tomorrow, and I've already warned her to beware the Ides of March. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.